We're going to be in the Gospel of John this morning in chapter 15. So today's the day that I've been talking about for, for weeks and for months, all summer long, been talking about this idea of starting experiencing God and uh, knowing that September would come and we would be able to start that. And so if you weren't in Sunday school this morning, that's what we did today. We walked through that first session and just kind of got a glimpse of what that study is going to involve. And so I'm excited about this. I have your books um, in, around the corner and I'll give those to everybody before you leave today. Um, but I want to just start this morning just to kind of you know, set the tone and set the stage for our week um, and really for this 12, 13 week study uh, through experiencing God and this challenge as a church that all of us are going um, you know, to, to grow in Christ and to grow deeper in our experiences with God. Um, we have kids books available as well. I'm still over there. And we'll get those to those with, uh, with kids before you leave also. And just things to do at home uh, for your kids to follow up on things that we talk about here. And so we're just trying to kind of be on the same page as a church and inviting God to give us a church-wide vision and a calling and to allow us to be a part of the work He wants to do. So it's, it's my strong belief that God is at work all around us all the time, right? Um, has anyone ever seen the, so we just saw this last night, but Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium? Have you seen this movie? Who says yes? Yes? Awesome movie. I don't know what, how I've been missing this my whole life, okay? And, and so one of the things that, that Mr. Megorium said last night in the movie um, was that in every corner there was wonder, always, right? And I thought, that's experiencing God right there. Like, that's like in every corner of the world, at every moment, all the time, God is always doing something, right? There's always wonder going on. There's always a miracle taking place. And, and so I have this book on my shelf from, uh, from Eugene Peterson. It's called um, Christ Plays in 10,000 Places. And it talks about the fact that, that God is always at work in 10,000 different ways all around us all the time. And that, and that we don't always see those things, right? Because we look for the big, ginormous, like ecstatic vision type things. But God is always at work all around us in a million little ways, 10,000 little ways. And then God invites us to join him in those things. And that's what we're going to be focusing on um, with experiencing God. And so I'm excited about what it's going to create and instill in us and the, and the vision that God is, is hopefully going to to give us as we go through these next few months together. Uh, when we finish the study, we'll be right up to Advent, my favorite season of the year. Um, not because of Christmas, but because of the focus of Advent being on the, the coming of Jesus. And so I'm excited about that as well. Um, I can't believe today is already September 1st, and we're just like right around the corner from 2020, and, uh, and just see what God has in store for us. And so I have a bad habit of trying to rush to do the end of the year, and this is going to help me to just slow down a little bit and enjoy it. So John 15, I'm going to read verses 1 through, I put 11, but I, I'm actually going to read through verse 12 uh, for us today. Um, that's not true. 11 is right. See, I need to trust myself. 1 through 11, John 15, 1 through 11. Let me go ahead and read that for us, and then we'll just jump right into it this morning. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, he says. If you, if you have a habit of underlining, I would underline or highlight that phrase right there. Abide in me, verse 4. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me... And I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away 
like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So, probably an easy question. Was there a word in there that kind of is repeated like a million times, over and over and over again? It's the word abide, right? And it's not really a word that we use in our modern English vocabulary uh, very much. We talk about abiding in a certain house or, or things like that. But, but Jesus uses that in a different context, a different way. So we're going to talk about what it means to abide in Christ. And now that, that, that abiding in Christ is also connected to experiencing God. And so we're talking about abiding in Jesus, experiencing God, and how that draws us closer to the mind and the heart and the will of God and enables us to see what God is doing and how he wants to involve us, but also to see what kind of people God wants us to be, right? Because we've said this a lot, God does not want us to just believe in him and then just like go on living the rest of our lives without any growth or transformation, right? So our Christian lives are not just about what we believe. It isn't just about having a, a ticket to heaven, right? And just knowing where we're going to go when we die, it's about this life of transformation and this journey that God has us on, this, this work that He began in us from that moment on, right, where He's trying to, to perfect us and equip us and change us. And, and so our responsibility is to be active within that calling, is to step into that and say, God, we want you to change us. We are willing and surrender, and we want to be on this journey of transformation. And so, God, we just invite you to do whatever you need to do in us and show us where we need to change, and help us to grow, right? It's all about having this intimate connection with Jesus. And so, but that has to come from somewhere. Because we have to understand that having an intimate connection is something that Jesus knew very well, right? So we know that in the beginning of John's Gospel, chapter 1, he talks about the fact that Jesus, that the Word of God became flesh, He dwelt among us, right? That He came down from heaven, He left the glory of heaven, He came down to live among people on the earth. But the whole time that Christ was living on this earth, He was not disconnected from the Father, was He? The whole time He lived on this earth, He maintained this intimate relationship with the Father. He would constantly go out into the wilderness to pray it says, right? He would constantly uh, allow the Holy Spirit to lead and govern his actions. There were times when he would, even when he was working miracles, like whenever he was bringing Lazarus back from the dead, and he would go and talk to the Father and say, Lord, I'm doing this for your glory, that they may know you, right? And think about the end of, uh, of John, where he's talking about him being in prayer and being in the garden, and, and, and Jesus is, is talking to the Father, John chapter 17, and saying, Father, I want your will to be done. I want people to know you. Like the whole time he was on this earth, he was never disconnected from the Father. He was never disconnected from the Holy Spirit. Jesus maintained this intimate connection with the, with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. And he sets that example for us. That's what you and I are called into, right? So we're not called, like I said, to just believe in Jesus and then go on with our lives. 
We're called to be transformed, but that begins with us applying ourselves to this intimate connection with God. So here's how some theologians refer to it. I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but it's called, it comes from a Latin word. It's the word perichoresis. Okay? And a perichoresis, Richard Rohr, who's a theologian, uh, used to call it the divine dance. All right? And all that may sound like really mystical and romanticized to you, but let me explain a little bit of what it means. So the perichoresis is the way that theologians describe the movement between, among the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we normally picture the Trinity in like a triangle, right? With the Father at the top and the Son and the Spirit here. And, and so what that ends up doing is it creates this hierarchy in our minds where we begin to somehow understand God like the Father is like the boss, right? And the Son and the Spirit are kind of like down here and they do what the Father tells, him, tells them to do, right? And when you look at Scripture, you don't see that happening. That's not how the Godhead operates. Okay? So the perichoresis is another way to look at it as, as the Trinity in, in a movement. Okay? It comes from this idea of moving around, this round, circular movement. It's in, in some cultures, it also implies a dance, which is where the divine dance comes from. And so it, it's the idea of, of picturing the Trinity operating cohesively together, always all functioning at the same time. And they all have their different roles, right? The Father does His work, and the Spirit does His work, and the Son does His work. And there's no hierarchy. There's no, like, one, one of them is the boss and the other ones are the subjects. It's all of them. They're equal, and they're always at work at the same time, and their work is collaborative, right? They're working together. Now, when you were in school, did you ever have to do, like, those group projects with people in your class? And, and, and so you, if you think back on that, like, can you think about which person, which kind of person you were in those group projects? Like, think about the stereotypical people in those projects, right? Like, there were those who, like, took charge, and they, they knew what to do, and they had the brains, and they were like, we're going to do this. And, and then there were those who were like, I don't care. I just want the grade. Like, I'll just do whatever you tell me to do, right? I'm just here to show up. Get me an A, right? And, and so then the take charge people would either one, they would say, well, I'll just do it all myself then, right? And you just, you, I'll, I'll tell you what to do, and you do it, and we'll all look good, right? Or they would do it because no one else was going to do the work, but they would be mad and resentful the whole time, right? And there was not a whole lot of collaboration. In my classroom now, we don't do group projects really, but I make my kids get up and collaborate and work together. I told them, this is a life skill. You're going to have to do this when you're an adult, like in the job field one day, right? And they hate it. They're like, Mr. Guerrero, I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to sit in the corner by myself, right? And so collaboration and cohesion and cooperation doesn't always come naturally to everybody, right? Now, some of us may be very cooperative, collaborative people, but the other normal people like me and, and you, we don't, we don't do that very well, right? And yet that's how the Godhead works. They are all contributing equally their own function, their own role, and they're working together in this movement, right? And they're all working in the world. And so right now, as we speak, the Father is doing a work in the world, right? And the Holy Spirit is doing a work in the world, in people's hearts. And the Son, even though he's, you know, He came, He was resurrected, He went back to heaven, He's still at work in our lives, Right? And so they're all doing this work and they're working collaboratively. That's the divine dance or the perichoresis. Now here's the thing. You and I, as human beings, are we not created in God's image, right? So in Genesis, in the beginning, it says that he created all these things and he got to the end and he said, let us 
make man in our image, in our likeness, right? And so God designed humanity to re- re- reflect him and to represent his, his character, his, his unique, his unique uh, relational aspect, right? And one of the ways that that's true is that you and I were created and designed to work in collaboration, to work in relationship with people, right? This is why many of us are happy in our relationships. We like having relationships, right? Whether it's with our kids, our spouses, or our friends, we don't always like. Now, if you're an introvert like me, the truth is you do like being alone sometimes. It's kind of fueling, right? Um, But we also like to be around other people. We like being connected to other people, right? That's that, 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 that God, like that's what God designed us to be, right? And so our calling is to step into this perichoresis, just the way that God designed us with other people, other believers in particular. That God designed the church to be something that operates together as a family. Not just one person doing all the work and the other people just show up, right? But it's, it's everyone contributing their gifts. This is why Paul talks about in his letter to the Corinthians how the church is like this body and there's many members and each member has their own gift and every gift is working together for the good of the church and for the sake of the gospel, right? That's that divine dance. You didn't know that we are all supposed to be in this dance with one another, right? Not many of you are all, we're not all good dancers, but we can all contribute to this perichoresis within the fellowship of a church, right? But then let's pull back from that. Because that perichoresis, that divine dance, should not just apply to the fellowship here, but also the fellowship between my heart and God's heart, right? This vertical perichoresis, this movement between myself and, with, and God. And so not only should I be in this divine dance with my brothers and sisters in Christ, but I should also be in this divine dance with the Godhead, right? Not that I become a part of the Godhead like I'm the fourth member of the Trinity. Some people think of themselves that way, don't they? but to say that we are connected with what God is doing. And we have this intimate relationship with God, with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Since you and I have been created in God's image, it's safe to say that humans are designed for that kind of relationship and connection and intimacy with God. That's why so many people are wandering through this world apart from Christ and, and their lives sometimes can be characterized with, with like misery and hopelessness and despair because they're not connected to the Father. We are all spiritual beings. Our spirits are longing for something, right? And many people chase that connection. They, they chase that feeling and so many other things. But when we find that connection with God, it brings that fulfillment that God wants for us. God wants us to have this living and life-giving and vibrant and thriving connection and fellowship with Him. How many of us can honestly say that we can describe our Christian lives with those words? Life-giving and active and thriving and vibrant. I know there are times in my life, there have been times when I can't really, I couldn't really characterize my life in Christ that way. When instead of being those things, it was more like stagnant and lifeless and stagnant and, and just kind of boring or stuck. How many of us feel stuck sometimes in our walk with Jesus? Whether it's a struggle with sin that we just can't overcome or with fear or with doubt or with just like this insecurity that keeps us 
from, from moving forward in Christ or, or this limit that we put on ourselves like we can't do that for God because we look in the mirror and we see our limitations and we think we can't do things, right? We get stuck. And yet God calls us to go beyond that and to live this abundant life in Jesus. And that's what comes out when we have that fellowship with Him. And so Jesus tells us here in John 15 that we need to abide in Him, right? We need to stay connected to Him. He says that when we abide in Him, He's going to abide in us, right? There's that, that mutual abiding going on. That's this mutual relationship happening. We're drawing near to Him. He's drawing near to us. And that connection is growing stronger. Let me read you this quote from a commentary on this passage. It says, The man who lives without faith in God may be said to exist rather than to live. And he misses the true aim of his being. Right? How many people in the world are just existing? And they're not really living. How many of us? I mean, is that true for us that we're just existing? And we're not really living, right? And so to abide in Christ means to do more than just exist. It means to truly live and to know the, the aim and the purpose of our lives and to be thriving in that walk with Jesus. And that should be true for all believers in Christ because we have this, this spirit living inside of us, that same spirit that, that raised Christ from the dead is in us, right? Like that should give us this motivation and this momentum and this energy about living for Christ. But it doesn't always happen that way, does it? It should be true for all believers. But I wonder how often even believers in Christ stop thinking and living and walking in that fellowship and connection with God and they merely just exist and go through life and go through the motions. I know that's been true for me. I know that I, I know that I belong to Jesus. I know that I have this relationship with Him. Right? I know where I'm going when I die. Like I'm secure in that faith in Christ. But there are honestly times when even though I'm, 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 I'm reading the Bible or I'm praying or I'm trying to you know, follow God, I'm still not really walking in this real, engaged, active, intimate fellowship with Him. Something's missing, right? I start trying to do things my own way and that just leads to frustration. Can you all... Uh, you, you, you know what that's like, right? I, I start to feel lost and confused and tired of trying to manage and figure out my own life with my own plans and my own reasoning. I stop hearing God's voice and I start trying to listen to my voice and that's never fruitful. It's never helpful, right? And that's why we need to pay attention to what Jesus is inviting us into. He's saying, continue to abide in me. Make this conscious decision, this choice every day to abide in me and stay connected to me and stay plugged into me. And that's more than just read your Bible 30 minutes a day, say your prayers, go to church. We can do all those things and still not be abiding in Christ, right? We can do all those things and still not be like intimately connected with him. It's about applying our minds and our hearts and our spirits to saying, Jesus, we can do nothing apart from you, right? We want you to govern our lives. Our lives are empty and meaningless without you. I don't want to just exist. I want to know what you want me to do. I want to devote myself to the life that you want for me. I want to truly live, Jesus, not just have my being here, right? And so there are three things that Jesus calls us to. I kind of talked about the first one, but here it is again in verses 4 
through 7, and in verse 9, he says these words over and over again, abide in me, right? Abide in me. You can underline, and you would probably have color all over your page there. All the times where Jesus says, abide in me. Stay close to me. Stay in fellowship with me. He says again, there, there in verse 4, abide in me and I in you, right? As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Three times the word abide is used in that verse, right? Verse 5, verse 6, verse 7, verse 9, he says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. He says, stay closely connected to me like a branch is connected to the vine. So we have this, this lilac tree in our front yard that we planted a little bit too close to our front window because we didn't realize how big and bushy it was going to be. And so occasionally I have to take my, my, my little loppers that I got from Lowe's, where's James, and not from Parker Lumber. He'll be very upset with me about that. And I'll go and I have to trim it, right? And so I'll cut off some of the branches and, and try to trim it back. And also the stuff grows on the bottom and it keeps it from growing up. So anyway, so, so when you cut those off and the branches just lay on the grass and then I'm too lazy to go pick them up and put them in the trash and so they sit there for a week, what begins to happen to those branches when they're no longer attached to the tree? They wither and die, right? And the leaves crumble off and they're gone and then you have a dead branch. And then you can either burn it, throw it away, right? Snap it in half because it's dead. And that's what Jesus says happens whenever you stop living in this intimate fellowship with him. That you begin to wither. You can't, really, you can't really have this life that God wants you to have if you're not staying connected to Jesus. You become like that branch laying there on the ground. It's good for nothing, right? He says it's good for nothing but to just be burned in the fire. Like, pointless. It accomplishes no purpose. There's no life in it any longer, right? And so Jesus calls us to, to stay in that close connection with him. And so how do we do that? The word abide literally means to remain and not to depart. Okay? It also means to remain as one. And so to remain intimately connected and to not depart from Jesus. And so, yes, it can mean that we do things that keep us closer to Jesus, like prayer and reading the Bible and, and going to worship and things like that. But ultimately, it comes down to, to making a choice every day to stay with Jesus and not stray from Jesus, right? To say, today, I'm going to stay with Jesus. I'm not going to stray or wander, to not depart from his wisdom and his will and his knowledge of what's good for us, because we, I think we can all uh, say that with, with honesty, God knows more or God knows better what's good for us than, than we do for ourselves, right? God's wisdom is better than ours. God's ways are better than ours. And so we devote ourselves every day to say, God, we want your wisdom and your will and your best for us, right? For us to walk in oneness, in this oneness that we have with Jesus. Because that exists... We have that, right? If we are born again and saved believers, we have that oneness with Christ. We have that, that reconciliation. And so now we need to walk in that. But then Jesus says also that when we do that, we can bear much fruit. And that's part of our relationship with Jesus. That when we are abiding in Him and we're, we're staying connected to Him, not only are we going to feel that connection and hear His voice, but the fruit, there's going to be fruit from that connection also. And that's God's will and desire for us. He says in verse 5, I am the, the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Aren't there times when we try to do things for God and then just ask Him to bless it or help us through it, right? And how many times do those things fail? Or we struggle or we wrestle through those things, right? But if we just stay connected to God, we abide in Jesus, we listen to His voice, and then He gives us a vision or He gives us a calling, He's going to make sure that the fruit is there, right? That the work is there, that the, the, the outcome is there. When we abide and remain in Christ, we become able to bear the fruit of having that relationship with Him. Meaning that we get to be a part of whatever work or, or change He wants to create in us, right? That lifelong transformation. That's, we're going to see the fruit of that in our lives. And if we're not seeing transformation in our lives, it's probably because we're not really connected to Jesus and tuning in to Him, right? And not only that, but, but being involved in His work all around us. And if we don't find ourselves involved, involved in God's work and, and God's not using us to do things, then we're missing something in our connection with God. Our experience of God does not only involve what He wants to show us, but also what He wants to do in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, in our passions. This is about having an abiding relationship with Jesus that leads to some visible fruit. And so when we have oneness with the Lord, when we are experiencing a deep connection with Him, He is going to use us and He's going to change us. And that's what we want to be open to Him doing in our lives. And then the last thing is to be full of, to be full of joy. Jesus says that when you are abiding in me, when you're intimately connected with me, you're going to bear fruit. I'm going to be at work in you to change you and to involve you in my work. And the outcome of that will be that you'll have more joy. And how many of us don't want more joy in our lives, right? More satisfaction and fulfillment in our lives. We chase that, don't we? We, we think we're going to find that in so many other things. People, relationships, money, our jobs, significance, right? But we find our fulfillment and our joy ultimately in just connect, being connected with Jesus. He says in verse 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Full, right? Not just a little bit, not just halfway, but full, like your cup is full of joy from Jesus, right? When's the last time you felt that much joy just because you belong to Christ? It's probably easy for us to feel that when we're worshiping, when we're in a Bible study, things like that, right? But what about on Monday morning when you have to get up and go to work? Or on Thursday when Friday can't get here fast enough, right? How much do we experience that fullness of joy from Jesus? God's desire and one of the outcomes of our abiding relationship with Christ is that we will experience His joy. Our relationship with Jesus should be a joyful relationship. If it's not full of joy, then something is missing. Our connection to God is weak for some reason, or there's something in the way of us walking in close fellowship with the Lord. And we need to take that to God and ask Him to reveal that to us. Because it's the Lord's desire that we have joy in our relationship with Him. Right? And I can testify to this. Even from just last week, when I'm not abiding in Christ, when I'm not actively choosing to walk in my relationship with Jesus, I find myself experiencing less joy in my daily life. Right? So, so last week, 
I felt tired and stressed and negative a lot of the times during the week, just about like my job and my schedule and like so many other things that I was trying to think of and, and dreams for the future and plans and, and goals and just like all of it piling up at once. And, and, and so what I ended up finding myself doing was trying to figure it out and manage it on my own instead of leaning into Christ and abiding in Christ. And, and I was still reading my Bible every morning, early, still praying, still journaling, right? Still doing my, my regular thing. But then I would go through my day and try to figure out life on my own and try to handle things on my own instead of tuning in to what Jesus wanted to show me or what he wanted to do or what he wanted me to not do, right? And what that ended up, ended up creating was a lot less joy than God wanted me to have. And I got to feeling like grumpy, and negative, and stressed, right? It's a, it's a human, a natural human thing. But I wasn't moving within that perichoresis, that divine dance with God. I wasn't really experiencing God even though I was doing things that should have made me experience God, right? It's miserable that way. But I can also testify to the other side of it. The times when I've, I've pursued Christ and, and leaned into that relationship and, and fell into the rhythm of our connection, our relationship, those are the times when I have felt incredible joy and peace in the Lord. Peace and rest and faith, assurance, courage, joy. Those are all experienced when you and I are truly abiding in Jesus and experiencing him. And that's what he's inviting us into, right? That's our choice to make. And so how can we do that? What are some practical ways for you and I to abide in and experience God? Well, this experiencing God study is going to be like one of the most practical and like in your face right now things that you can do. And so for the next few months, when we apply ourselves to this, and we devote our time and our energy and our minds and our focus to this, this is not the Bible, right? This is not God, but it's a tool that can be used in our lives to push us more into that rhythm with Jesus, to begin to experience Him more deeply and to increase our, our knowledge and our understanding of Him and, and our walk with Him grows deeper and stronger and we begin to thrive, right? And so we're going to apply ourselves to having this, this dynamic relationship with Jesus as we spend time with him and we seek out more of, of his will. That's what God wants for us. And so this experiencing God study is going to push us. It's going to challenge us. It's going to, it's going to really cause us to make a commitment and sometimes even a sacrifice. But it's also going to push us toward this more intimate relationship with Jesus. Another thing, though, is that it's also going to help us to stay connected to the vine which will produce fruit in our lives. And so we're going to begin seeing opportunities through this study. It's going to help us to be more aware of opportunities to get involved in the work that God is doing as He leads us, right? It's going to help us to be more aware of, of, of what God is doing, to watch for God. That's going to be one of our common, like our part of our culture, watching for God. We pray and we watch for God and we let Him show us what comes next. As we experience Jesus more, more deeply through this study, it's going to bear the fruit of change and growth and spiritual transformation in us. Our mind, our heart, our passions, our spiritual devotion, all those areas are going to change. But then it's also going to help us to find real joy in our spiritual lives. Joy in knowing Jesus. 
joy in belonging to Jesus, in, in being in that perichoresis with him, joy in being able to serve Jesus, being allowed to serve him and be involved in his work. All these things happen, but we have to make a choice. We have to choose to commit, to apply ourselves, to be engaged in this process every day. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus says to seek first the kingdom of God, right? Seeking requires action, doesn't it? We need to take steps towards Jesus. If we want to know more of him, if we want to experience him more, we need to take action and seek more of Jesus. And then James writes in James 4.8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And this is that divine dance. How are you going to engage in the rhythm of the relationship that Jesus is inviting you into? And so that's my final challenge to all of us, that we would all choose to experience God together by abiding in Jesus and pursuing him more. Abiding in Jesus, pursuing him more. And so I just want to challenge you to commit as a church to this study and, and that we will be able to watch God grow us and involve us and give us more joy in our individual walk with him and then collectively as a church. And in your personal spiritual life, my, my challenge is for you to, to lean more into that relationship that you have with Jesus. Don't just, don't just believe in Jesus and then try to do life on your own. Don't just simply exist and miss out on the abundant life that Jesus wants for each and every one of you. Amen? If you'll stand with me, we're going to close in prayer and have a song.